0: Good morning. good morning, good morning everyone, good morning and welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church, welcome one and all to the service of worship. It's great to see everybody here this morning and especially if you're a visitor, we're delighted that you're here. We hope everybody feels very much at home here at GPC, indeed welcome one and all. If you are a visitor, then you can pick up a yellow visitor's bag in the narthex and there's all sorts of information in there about the church. And you can certainly learn more about who we are as a family of faith. Please pass the friendship pad that's in the center aisle. You can find the friendship pad um, and then sign your name and then mark your attendance uh, and then pass it down the row and see who's worshiping with you and see, uh, greet them at the appropriate time in just a few minutes. And so welcome one and all. Welcome also if you're worshiping with us online, We know that many people are joining us via our website, via Facebook. We're delighted that you're joining us as well, and we certainly invite you to download the bulletin from the church website and follow along and join in everything at home that we're doing here in our sanctuary. Let me highlight a few announcements for you before we begin our worship service. Um, One is to remind you about evening worship this evening at 6 o'clock in Warren Hall. Come and bookend the day in worship with worship here in the morning and then Another special service uh, this evening at 6 p.m. Uh, this um, won't affect us as much now except I think some of the sign-up sheets that were in the activity center lobby may now be uh, outside of Warren Hall because there's no heat over there and so the donuts moved to Warren Hall and I think some of the sign-up sheets for the various events I'm about to mention have also, um, also been moved over there and that includes the uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner on February the 5th. Please do sign up for that. That's a fun event. You can see the information in your bulletin about that where you sign up to go, and you'll get an email about six o'clock that night as to whose house you're going to eat dinner with. And so um, please sign up for that. There's a Zoom remote option. Sign up for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Also, don't forget about the youth auction, and that's on March the 6th. And there's Uh, Tickets will go on sale um, on that after February the 1st online and on Sunday mornings. And we're still looking for donations of new and like new, gently used items that can be part of our youth auction. It's such a fun event. It's a great fundraiser. And uh, I just encourage you to see the announcement that's in the bulletin. There are more details about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner as well as the youth auction in the bulletin. Also more information about our new and improved Parents' Night Out that will be at the end of this month for the first time in quite some time. Uh, GPC Connect, you can see an announcement about that and uh, all kinds of fun stuff going on on that Friday night for children and for their parents. A few more announcements. One is a reminder of the annual meeting of the congregation that will take place next Sunday after the 11 o'clock worship service. We'll hear a report from the nominating committee. And the nominating committee has the names of those who will be nominated to serve as deacons and elders uh, and the future nominating committee. Those names are there in your bulletin. You can see those. You'll see their pictures and bios next week in our annual report when we hand that out. We'll also hear a report from the stewardship team about the uh, financial year of 2021 and then the 2022 budget. So please do attend next Sunday annual meeting of the congregation immediately following the 11 o'clock worship service. And then today, again, a new program called Worship Works, and that's sort of a new and revamped children's uh, music and worship program back on Sunday afternoons at at 430. You meet down in the Blue Room, the Noah's Ark Room, and uh, of course, continuing with some of our singing and some of our music, I think there's a drama component that's going to be added for anybody who is dramatic. I'm sure that's nobody in here, but there are some dramatic uh, children who will enjoy doing that and participating in worship works which starts this afternoon downstairs friends those are all of our announcements and now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God
1: God calls us to rejoice as we worship. God invites us into a deeper faith and more obedient trust. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands.
2: Day after day.
1: The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul.
3: The statutes of the Lord are prosperity, making
2: wise
1: the simple. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. God offers us new life through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have forgiveness and love. Let us confess our sin and pray for God's mercy. Holy God, our actions frequently contradict our words. We say that we love you, but we disregard your will. We claim to care about others but we qualify our compassion. We declare that we will follow you, but we have conditions that stifle discipleship. Have mercy on us, we pray, and do not hold our contradictions against us, we pray. Forgive us for the sake of Jesus, who lived and died in total love and obedience, and in whose name we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us and forgives our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And And as our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ.
0: I know that many people have already had an opportunity to meet our new director of Children's Ministries, but we want to reintroduce her and introduce her to as many people as possible. We had a great reception after the Sunday school hour downstairs where Blair Hayes got to meet several people, and we want to reintroduce her to everyone Blair comes to us um, as a native Memphian and as a Memphis Tigers alum, and she's had great experience working in churches, with children and youth uh, around this area for a number of years and so we are delighted to have Blair Hayes with us as our new director of children's ministries and we want you to have a chance to meet her as well so she's going to stick around after this service and she'll be right up here up front and you can come greet her and uh, offer your prayers and support and I know that she looks forward to getting to know everybody in the uh, months and years to come so come meet Blair and Blair welcome to GPC. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, we know you speak through the words of Scripture, and you speak straight into our hearts. Your voice is the voice that can guide us and direct us. And so we ask your blessing now on our reading, our hearing, our interpretation of your holy word this morning. Do speak and guide and bless us, we pray in these passages that we read. Amen. We do read from Scripture this morning from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and these are two sort of mirror passages. They're the passage from Isaiah, where the people of God who were looking forward to the Messiah and wondering what the Messiah would be like and who the Messiah would be and what his priorities would be and how would they recognize him. Well, Isaiah prophesies years, hundreds of years before Jesus was born about the Messiah's priorities, And then you have Jesus coming in, and the passage that Christopher read with the children, Jesus himself um, quotes from, reads this same passage from Isaiah as a way of saying, Now I have come. So first from Isaiah 61 we read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the cities that have been ruined and that have been devastated for generations. And then in the New Testament, we read from Luke 4, this scene where Jesus goes back to His home synagogue where people would have recognized Him, where they would have known Him. Luke 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And then he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to teach them by saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This is the beginning, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And right from the start here, we notice that he will define exactly who he is. And he will name what his priorities are. You might remember that just before this, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River at the end of chapter 3. And then in chapter 4, just before this passage, he's out in the wilderness, and he is preparing himself for his ministry. He is fasting. He is praying. He is overcoming the temptations of the devil. He's preparing everything for this exact moment, where he will go through a kind of public switch, a change. He he's known in his hometown of Nazareth. They would have known his family, known as cousins. He was worshiping in this synagogue for the first thirty years or so of his life. But he will undergo a public transformation with what happens at this time and at this reading. It's really a very powerful moment, and I want to just jump right into some of the details of this account from Luke, and he provides Luke does in this account through Jesus' words. And then some of the details that um, Luke provides for us that remind us of who Jesus is and exactly what his ministry is all about. The first thing that Luke tells us, he reminds us that Jesus' ministry from the very beginning is filled. It is just saturated, surrounded by the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Spirit, Luke says, Jesus returned to Galilee. Again, a few weeks before this, he was at his baptism, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And he heard God's affirmation, and now he is returning, returning back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, it's really interesting, the word power there is this Greek word dunamis. And it has several fascinating connotations. It's from the word dunamis, the Greek word from which we get our word dynamic, So Luke is telling us that now Jesus has a type of dynamic power all around him and in him and all about him that he did not have before. He has a dynamic power after his baptism that he didn't have prior to it. This dynamism, this dynamic power, on the one hand, that means to perform miracles So dunamis is one of the words for miracles in the New Testament. That Jesus now, in the power of the Spirit, has the ability to perform miracles. These great healings that we read about, for example. The feeding of the 5,000. This dynamic power over nature, over people's lives. Dunamis is also um, another word that has a moral aspect to it. That if someone has dunamis, the power of the Spirit, they have special insight into God's will. And what God desires for human beings. So you'll see, for example, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon people like the prophets. And that God gives them special insight into God's will for for the people, for humanity. And they speak, they breathe out, they speak God's will in the power of the Spirit. There's a really great scene when uh, Saul is being anointed as king. And Samuel pours oil over Saul's head. And then he says this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you powerfully. Dunamis will come upon you powerfully and you will prophesy and you will be changed into a different person. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a person, they are changed. So it's interesting. We use this word in our worship Every week, this word dunamis, we pray about this power of God, this power of Christ, this power in the Spirit every single week. It's printed in our bulletin every week when we pray for thine, yours is the kingdom and the power, the dunamis, that's the English derivative of that, that we are naming that God has this dynamic power to change lives and to give wisdom and clarity and insight and that God has power over nature and power over us. Jesus is filled with the power. He's got the Holy Spirit all around him. And he's going to claim this for himself when he reads from Isaiah 61. He's going to begin his ministry by going into the synagogue and saying, all right, you want to know who I am? You, don't know, you want to know what my priorities are? You want to know what the Messiah will be like? Well, let me tell you. And he starts to read from chapter sixty one He claims this dynamic power as his own. He unrolls from the spirit from the, the the role of Isaiah he says this: The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Spirit is sending me. The spirit is telling me to proclaim, which means to preach and then to, to live out what you preach, practice what you preach, to proclaim." good news to the poor and release to the captives the spirit of the lord is upon me and he rolls it back up he hands it to the attendant there in worship and he begins by saying them today today isaiah's words are now fulfilled this promise has come true now it's saying this passage is talking about me All this hope for a Messiah from Isaiah's day, the promise of God for a Savior, is now fulfilled because I am here in the power of the Spirit. And then he goes on through the rest of his ministry, in the power of the Spirit. Jesus could not have done what he did without this dunamis, without this spiritual power direct from God. And so what's fascinating then is to follow this out in his own ministry, to see Jesus' exercise this power, to, to perform miracles, to teach with wisdom and clarity and insight, and then to hand that off to his followers. Because you read through the book of Acts, for example, Luke and Acts, and you see that Jesus then gives this same dunamis, this same power to, to his people, to those disciples back then, and then all through history right up to us today. We live, we believe in the power of the Spirit, that everything we do, everything we do as Christians is by the power of the Spirit, the same dunamis that Jesus had. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but, uh, but to reiterate, when you were baptized, when you were baptized, God's Holy Spirit was intimately involved. We talk about the Holy Spirit being present in a baptismal ceremony, how the water is a visible sign of God's invisible dunamis, God's power, God's grace. It covers you, it cleanses you, it washes you, and then it invites you and empowers you to live your life as a disciple of Jesus. And that's true if you were a tiny infant when you were baptized, or a teenager, or later on as an adult, that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and marks you as belonging to God. And then it might be right there at your baptism. If you're older, it might be 12 or 13 years later in confirmation. But at some point, you confirm that grace in your own life and say, Yes, I want to be a follower, and I want to be one of Jesus' disciples. And you go on with the Holy Spirit, and you are a changed person from that moment on. Everything we do is by the power of the Spirit. So Jesus was full in the power of the Spirit when he began his ministry, and then the other great detail in this story is is found in these words that he quotes from Isaiah, to see exactly how Jesus defines himself and his mission and his purpose. He says, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, to show oppressed people how to be free. And then he, he offers this great quote, this closing quote, when he talks about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. It's this great reference to what happened every 50th year in ancient Israel. Every 50th year was a jubilee year when everybody who owed money, all debts were forgiven. And people returned to their clan and to the land was given back to them. It was this great cultural reset this starting over, this moment of grace where you could just start over in your life, this time of forgiveness. And what happens in Isaiah is that he takes this jubilee year and and, and interprets it metaphorically and poetically, and then so does Jesus to talk not just about 150th year, but to talk about what God is for everybody, that God has this favor by which he allows you to start over and offers you this grace by which you can reset your life and, and begin anew and be forgiven and, and start over in the grace of God. So Jesus says, this is my mission. I've come to tell people how they can be forgiven, how they can start their own life over again in God's grace. This is my purpose. So a lot of times when people read a passage like this, they'll say, All right, is Jesus speaking literally or metaphorically? Is he talking about preaching good news to people who literally are living in poverty, who are poor, or people who are spiritually poor? They may have all the resources in the world, but they're spiritually bankrupt. Is he talking about preaching freedom to prisoners in jail, or people who were sort of jailed in a life that's trapped them in some kind of life or a way beyond their control, some power external to them? Is he talking about freedom... Recovery of sight to people who are literally blind or people who are spiritually blind and, 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 and just don't know how lost they are in their lives. So to answer this question, you look at Jesus' ministry and you see the answer to this literal versus metaphorical question that Jesus answers in his ministry with a yes to both. It's a yes to both because he ministers to people who are financially poor. And poor people flocked to Jesus because he was giving them a message of hope. He's saying, you are not cursed in your poverty. Know that God loves you even as you scrape by scrape by day after day. God will provide for you. Trust in the Lord. And then he ministers to people who are very financially well-off like Zacchaeus or the rich man and says, you're financially well-off. You have all these assets and yet, and yet you're still lacking so much. It's literal and it's metaphorical. It's It's literal when Jesus heals people of their blindness, heals miraculously that physical lack of sight. But then he always goes on after that to say that that healing is really a prelude to the healing of your spiritual blindness as well. So it's always both literal and metaphorical. And I think about this for us then. What does this mean? If Jesus hands off this ministry, this power of the Spirit to his followers, then what does that mean for us? It meant for the early church, of course, that they continued in all of these ways. They ministered to the the literal poor, the financial poor. The first ministry, the first mission of the church was an outreach feeding ministry to hungry widows who didn't have enough money to buy food for themselves. And then you see about what happens with the church as it moves forward in history. The church cares so much about people's physical bodies and when they ail. And that down through history, there are hospitals like Baptist and Methodist and St. Francis and in other communities like Presbyterian and St. Thomas, because from the very beginning of Christianity, caring about people's health, health care has been a fundamental Christian witness to God's grace and Christ's compassion in the world, especially for those who are too poor to afford it. And then you think, about, you think about opening up people's minds and the prisons and freeing them. Think about Jesus as a teacher. And how he taught people and they suddenly had sight that they could see themselves or see the world in a new way. That he would proclaim freedom through teaching them. They could learn and grow intellectually. And so in antiquity, all through medieval times, the first universities were started by churches in order to help people be educated and then help have better lives and understand themselves and the world and creation and God more and more. All of this was done by Jesus and his followers, ministry to the poor, caring about their health, enlightening the mind that God created in all of us, all of it done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power, that dunamis, has been handed off to us from Jesus to the first disciples, then to disciples after disciples, all down through history until, until Jesus has handed that same power of the Spirit to each one of us individually and each of us as a church. That we believe, we live exclusively by the power of the Holy Spirit thinking about this a lot this week. And as I always think about the pandemic and what it means for our church and how can we shift and change and adapt to it and then overcome it. One of the things that we lament about the pandemic, and it's really the worst, one of the worst of all, has been this hiatus of so many of our church's ministries to the community, especially to those who are poor or those who need help with education. I mean, that's a sweet spot of mission always has been for us as a church. I mean, we used to have, because I saw them, we used to have an army of volunteers walking into Oak Forest School a mile down the street here to teach kids every week, second graders, how to read and how to learn better. And and we used to have at least that many going into Binghamton Christian Academy on a regular basis to be with those kids in that class that we have adopted there. We had people at MAM all the time. Um, going and and working and tutoring. We had people of all ages working in our homeless ministry room in the inn twice a month. And then COVID hit and and not everything stopped, but just about everything stopped with all of these ministries by which we witness to Christ's love in the world. They just stopped. Here's why it's so devastating. Because it removed most of us and it sort of removed our church from ever being around or interacting with or knowing or caring in a face-to-face way people who are poor, who live in poverty. And I know that I can become so insulated in my relatively comfortable life and world, and maybe you can also, that we know we might circulate around people who are poor when we're out shopping some, but we don't really know them. If you live in the village or Kirby Pines, most of the workers helping you every day are hourly employees on the lower end of the scale, and, and you're kind to them, and they're courteous to you, but you don't know much about their real lives and their families and their pains and problems. We get, all of us, including me, we get always caught up in the philosophical and political arguments about why people are poor and what should or should not be done about it by the government, and we just get lost in the politics, and we are removed from being around people who are in poverty. And the pandemic shut down so many of those relationships that we had developed. I mean, I can remember, I can remember seeing church members sitting side by side with a homeless guest at Room in the Inn and just talking or even laughing and trying to share some things in their lives that they had in common. Our tutors, our mentors knew all of their children by name and they would love on them in person, and then pray for them all through the rest of the week until they could see them again. And then we lost that. But it's time to reset. It is time to to renew ourselves as individuals and as a congregation, to renew ourselves and remember that we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Spirit within us and around us individually and as a congregation, which means that we're going to go back and start joining in again in depth with Jesus in his ministry, not just to the poor in a condescending way, but with the poor side by side in all of these programs that we have. Ministry to those who are blind, those who are imprisoned, whether it's literal or metaphorical, sometimes a little bit of both. We also have to remember this. Jesus always lived his life in a risk under some threat of some risk. Always every day. So that for us to get back into the good practice of service, of being with those who are poor or oppressed or who are blind, it might mean that you have to take some kind of risk. It might mean that you go to a part of town that you're not accustomed to going to and putting yourself in a little bit of risk there. It might mean that you have to risk catching COVID, which we've been told not to do at all over the last two years. You're going to have to put yourself in some kind of risk in order to follow Jesus and truly be part of his ministry. But you do it. We do it under the power of the Spirit. We go out to proclaim and demonstrate the good news to everybody, the poor, the captives the blind. So our missions team has plugged into the four goals, connecting, growing, caring, sharing, plugged into this caring goal to set a goal for us of getting 20% of our membership back into our caring agencies and ministries around this community. So we have 750 members, so that's 150 people. This year we need to, to plug back into our ministries to the poor, the blind, and the imprisoned. We just can't be isolated anymore from these ministries or from these relationships and being around the people by which Jesus defined himself, literal or metaphorical. We do this because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord came upon you in your baptism and called you to a different way of life, a way of serving and following just as Jesus did, and then he hands it off to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us as a congregation, as a church, to be back into these ministries, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim release from powers beyond people's control, The Spirit of the Lord is upon us to talk about the wideness of God's mercy and the abundance of God's grace for anybody who wants to start over in life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Thanks be to God. Amen.
4: Every time we have the gift of entering into the presence of God, we get surprised because we meet someone else. We meet healing and hope, freedom, and yes, empowerment to go and be who God went to hell and back again to make us to be, a people of new life. So I invite you to join me in standing as you are able As we take those first steps together by rededicating our lives to Christ through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Hear our prayers.
5: hear our prayers. Recommendations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Helping God, we pray for those enduring snow and ice storms across this land, and particularly those in need of warm shelter, a cool drink of water, and a warm meal. Embrace and bless each one with your calm and your comfort, and send relief, we pray. We pray that for those who are sick this day, those who grieve, those who suffer, body, mind, and soul, may they feel your holy presence, your love, and your comfort. And we pray for those who are especially near and dear to our hearts, and we name them before you now. Healing God, bless all of those that we have named and those that remain in our hearts, for we know that they are known to you. Bless each one, we pray, with all that they need for this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, enable us to be humble and kind in all things. Help us to discover our common humanity. And in our common humanity, show us the way that you would have us carry forth the mission and ministry of Jesus, binding the wounds of the wounded, befriending the lonely, the least, and the left out, sharing our abundance with those in need, doing justly to the oppressed, acknowledging our own sin, seeking forgiveness, and grasping reconciliation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord Christ, hear us now as we join our many voices into one voice and pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My sisters and brothers, all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. So let us now, with great joy and generosity, Give back to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
4: pray. God, we do praise you. To be honest, it just feels good to spend some quality time with you today. And so we thank you for meeting us here in this place, for healing us, for speaking to what's going on in our lives, and for the gift of your life-changing power to go and be your hands and feet So we devote to you these tithes and offerings from souls that are abundant in your goodness and grace and in gratitude. Take, bless, and magnify these for your glory. Let them touch someone's life. Let them be transformed by you to impact someone for your glory. And in them, we devote to you all of our lives in declaration of your lordship as our king, our savior. Amen.
0: Go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.